Hello and welcome to this month's Clarkson Wright and Jakes employment related podcast where I'm joined this time by Laura Claridge, our senior lawyer within the employment department. Our subject this time around is an area that has been strongly debated certainly over the past couple of years um, and continues to generate a fair deal of discussion still. I'm of course talking about the subject of flexible working. As we know, um, the pandemic has heavily influenced certain changes to our working practices with home working and hybrid working becoming more widely acknowledged and accepted as the norm. So research shows us as we continue to move out of the pandemic, that employees are keen to maintain these practices as we try and address our work-life balance. As an example for you, a working family survey of working parents and carers in 2020 found that 90% were in favour of maintaining these working practices, which I think is, is fairly compelling. So employees are increasingly expecting flexible working as part of their employment package, Certainly over the past 18 months, I've noticed a fundamental increase with candidates asking for flexible work in an interview stage. So I think employers should carefully consider their position to offering flexible working for a variety of reasons. One of those being able to attract talent in a highly competitive recruitment market. So to emphasise this point, Early last year, the Government Equalities Office suggested that job adverts which offer or or suggest flexible working increases applications by up to 30%. But there's been more research this time by TimeWise who found that only 26% of job adverts included the option of flexible working. We now have the hindsight and to retrospectively, I suppose, understand the benefits and some of the challenges of flexible working. We know that part-time work is disproportionately offered to lower-paid workers, where home working or flexible working is, again, disproportionately offered to higher-paid jobs, for example. We now know that, again, from hindsight, that prior to the pandemic, the majority of flexible working requests were made by women. Um, But... This pandemic has accelerated the growth uptake of requests from male employees. So before we look at some of the detail regarding flexible working, Laura, can you please tell us what, first of all, what is flexible working and what is meant by the right to request flexible working? The right to make a flexible working request is set out in the Employment Rights Act and was introduced in June 2014. A flexible working request can relate to a change to the hours worked, working time or the place of work, which means that an employee can request just about anything. It could be part-time or full-time working, annualised hours, compressed hours, flexi-time, hybrid working, home working, job sharing, shift working, staggered hours, term time working. The list is endless. Employees with at least 26 weeks service can make a written request for flexible working under the statutory scheme. Employees who already work flexibly can make a request to change their terms, as can part-time or fixed-term staff. However, employees can only make one request for flexible working in a 12-month period. The employer isn't required to approve the request, but must consider it and act reasonably. Sometimes employees will say things like, my employer doesn't allow part-time working, or there's no point in me making a request as it will be turned down. But in practice, a failure to consider a request or a practice which indicates that there is a blanket 
no part-time policy would give rise to a possible discrimination claim. So if everyone has the legal right, well, I say everyone, but everyone with over a 26-week service um, has a legal right to make a flexible working request, um, does that request need to be in a specific format? The first point is that it's important to recognise a request as a flexible working request, especially if the intention is to reject it. Any requests to change hours or place of work should be handled carefully, especially if in writing, and consideration given to as to whether it amounts to a formal request or is best handled as part of a formal process. If the request isn't in writing, then employers should ask for it to be put in writing. It can be helpful to do this and for the employee to make the request as a formal request, brings the matter to a head, allows the employer to consider whether it will work as part of a formal process and means that in principle, the employee cannot then make another request for at least another year under the formal process. For a request under the statutory procedure, the basic formalities are that the request must be in writing, dated and state that it is an application being made under the statutory procedure. The employee should also give the date of any previous requests and clearly specify the proposed change and when the employee wishes it to come into effect. Um, The request should set out the effect, if any, they think the change would have with their work and on the employer and how this could be dealt with. Looking at things from the employee's side for a moment, it's a good idea to think about the objections that your employer may have to the proposed pattern and address these with solutions and make the case for change. It may also help to expressly set out in the request any benefit the changes would have on the business, such as cost savings and any benefit to colleagues, for example, if someone else would like a job share. ACAS guidance states that where the employee is making a request that touches upon a protected characteristic under the Equality Act, for example, as a reasonable adjustment for disability or for childcare reasons, they should state this. It's a good idea to provide as much information as the employee can about the change, what circumstances have led to the request and how the change can be accommodated. Employers have to be careful not to discriminate and consider the request carefully, weighing up the different factors. Okay, thanks, Laura. So the employee has followed all the stipulations required uh, to make a formal request. I suppose the next question really is, and the next step following on is, how should employers respond? Receipt of a flexible working request triggers a three-month decision period when the employer needs to consider the request, discuss it with the employee and notify them of the final outcome. There's an ACAS code of practice on the handling of flexible working requests, which is a short 14-paragraph guide setting out the key points in responding to a request. Although very brief, I do recommend reading the guidance following receipt of a request. There's also specific guidance on responding to a flexible working request on the ACAS website. The main point is the request must be dealt with in a reasonable manner. Employers should follow the ACAS code and their own flexible working policy if there's one in place. The request must be considered carefully and positively, ideally with a can-do attitude, looking at the potential benefits to the working conditions for the employee and the business and weighing these up against any adverse business impact of implementing the change. Look at other options if the request isn't possible and ask the employee if they have an alternative suggestion that may work. The decision should be made based on facts, not personal opinion, and with careful thought about the practicalities. Talk to other staff who may be affected, keep a note of any investigations 
or consideration as to how the change may work in practice. And this should demonstrate serious consideration of the request in the event that the final decision is challenged. The guidance states that employers should arrange to talk with the employee as soon as possible. The discussion should take place in private and the employee needs to be informed of their right to bring a colleague with them to the meeting. Employees should engage with the process and attend all meetings and note that if an employee fails to attend a meeting to discuss the request and then fails to attend a rescheduled meeting without good reason, the employer can treat the request as withdrawn. No meeting is required if the request is going to be approved without modification, but it can be helpful to discuss the change with the employee to make sure that both parties are clear on how and when the change will take place and how it will work in practice. Be clear with the employee about any knock-on effects the changes will have on other terms like pay, benefits, pension, bonus and so on. The request can only be turned down if there's a valid business reason to do so and the employer can only refuse the request for one or more of the eight statutory reasons for rejecting, which I will list. So the first one is the burden of additional costs. Secondly, detrimental effect on ability to meet customer demand. A trial period may help to assess whether this is the case. Thirdly, inability to reorganise work among existing staff. So this will involve checking with staff before reaching this conclusion. Then um, inability to recruit additional staff. But it's a good idea to weigh up the cost of uh, potentially losing the employee who has made the request with the potential recruitment costs of accommodating it. Um, The next one is detrimental impact on quality. Um, detrimental impact on performance, insufficiency of work during the periods when the employee proposes to work, or finally planned structural changes. Ideally, the outcome letter should provide some detail as to why the employer has reached their decision that um, the request needs to be rejected for one of these reasons, and this should help if the employee goes on to challenge the decision. If unsure about the request, a trial period can help. This should be recorded in writing, setting out the terms of the trial and a fixed end date. This would give time to consider the practicalities of the change. For example, there may be changes to how the employee is supervised if, say, they're going to work from home. The guidance states that once the employer has made its decision, it must inform the employee of the outcome as soon as possible in writing. And this should avoid any confusion about what has been decided. The change results in a permanent change to the employment contract, which should be confirmed in writing for the employee to sign within one month of the change taking effect. This should detail the contractual variation and note any consequent changes to pay or benefits. If the request is rejected, the employee has the right to appeal the decision and the employee should be informed that they may bring a colleague to the appeal meeting. Note that the three-month decision period includes handling the appeal unless this time frame is extended by agreement. Right, thanks a lot. Um, I just want to go back to something that you touched on earlier, which was um, employees are only allowed or permitted rather to make a flexible working request within, once within a 12-month period. What happens, say, for example, if an employee makes a further request within a 12-month period? An employee can make an additional informal request, but there would be no obligation to follow the statutory procedure. However, refusal without considering the request appropriately, even where the employee does not meet the eligibility requirements to make a formal request, could give rise to separate claims. For example, discrimination. 
So if an employee has made a, a recent request or doesn't have 26 weeks service, avoid the temptation to just strike out the request on technical grounds as failing to consider a request reasonably, even if not under the statutory procedure, could give rise to a discrimination claim in some cases. Okay, so there has obviously been a a lot of debate around this next question, um, and I certainly think it's worthy of discussing on this podcast. So during the pandemic, lots of employees successfully work from home. Um, So does this make it more difficult for an employer to say no to a flexible working request to work from home or for hybrid working? Yes, I think it does make it harder. Um, where an employee has a proven track record showing that the, the arrangement worked well. As an employer, you would need to break down the specific objections and carefully think about the response. For example, during the pandemic, you may have had to put up with things that ideally you wouldn't have had to, but didn't have much choice due to the work from home guidance, or something may have changed within the team, which means it will no longer work. So be clear to flag up examples, which bits didn't work, can they be addressed, Is there a compromised position where everyone is happy? And if not, making sure that the reason is valid and that it falls within one of the eight statutory grounds with clear explanation as the decision is likely to come under challenge and be appealed in these circumstances. Okay, so here's an added complication. I'm sure that this doesn't happen often, but but just in case it does, it'd be good to get your views on this. So what if we receive more than one flexible working request at the same time? There's actually specific ACAS guidance on this. So firstly, look at each request in the order received. You'll also need to follow any internal flexible working policies. In all cases, employers will need to show reasonableness and fairness. If you approve a flexible working request for one employee, you don't necessarily have to approve the same request for another. And it will be necessary to make a decision based on whether the business can support the specific change they've requested for that individual If you can only accommodate one employee with the requested change, the guidance sets out three options. So firstly, explain the dilemma to to the two employees to see if a compromise is possible, as long as you get their permission to discuss it with each other. Um, You can approve the first request you received, or it says you could choose one employee randomly, as long as you've made it clear to your employees your policy Um, is to make a random selection. You would also need to weigh in any Equality Act issues arising from the request. For example, if one of the employees was was disabled or had caring responsibilities. And overall, again, it comes down to being reasonable and handling the request fairly. Okay, so this next question or this next area touches on your point um, about policy. So, you know, you've talked about there's a lot of information out there. And again, you touched on ACAS. mentioned earlier. So with all of this information, do we really need to have a separate business flexible working policy? It can be helpful as it will set out clearly the approach the business will take, how a request should be made and the procedure that will be followed. It's useful as consistency will be one of the factors that helps to show reasonableness when dealing with requests. For example, you may have in place an informal regime or direct all employees to make the request formally. Another way of helping to achieve consistency will be to have a designated team dealing with the requests, for example, at senior management level or by the HR department, rather than individual managers going off in different directions. The policy could also set out how competing requests may be dealt with. It's also worth reviewing maternity and shared parental leave policies so that staff returning from maternity leave 
are reminded to make any requests to change their working patterns in accordance with your policy and after maternity leave in good time before they want the change to come into effect, as this is a common time for employees to make a flexible working request. Okay, so this is one of my favourite areas and certainly one of my favourite questions to ask when we're talking about people-related policies or practices. So with most employment practices, there is a a legal or, or a correct way of managing situations but what if we get it wrong um can an employee bring a claim for failure to deal with a flexible work and request to a tribunal employees can complain to a tribunal if their employer fails to deal with the application in a reasonable manner or fails to notify them of the outcome of their request within three months but the three months can be extended by agreement The employee can also bring a claim if the employer fails to rely on one of the eight statutory grounds to refuse the application or if it bases its decision on incorrect facts. When deciding complaints brought under the Flexible Working Scheme, tribunals must take into account the ACAS code if relevant. The maximum compensation for a claim under the Flexible Working Legislation is eight weeks' pay and it's capped at approximately £4,500. Aside from making a claim under the statutory regime, employees may also be able to bring a claim under the Equality Act, which is likely to be much costlier. For example, most employers will be aware that for employees who are disabled under the Equality Act, there is a duty to consider reasonable adjustments. A request to change hours or place of work in a flexible working request may amount to a reasonable adjustment. So a failure to properly consider it could give rise to a disability discrimination claim. Another common example is a claim for sex discrimination where an employee needs to change their working pattern for childcare reasons and the so-called childcare disparity that women, because of their childcare responsibilities, are less likely to be able to accommodate certain working patterns than men. Another example is where an employee requests time off for religious purposes, like taking time off to pray, and this could give rise to a religion and belief claim. An employee could bring a claim for unfair dismissal if they are dismissed as a result of making a flexible working request. Okay, so um, we're we're quickly running out of time. So the last question then um, is we've we've obviously seen a monumental change to the way that we work, um, certainly more recently. But in your opinion, what's on the horizon for flexible working? Um, During the pandemic, the CIPD called for flexible working to be a day one right. And the government's flexible working task force recommended that flexible working should be the default position for all workers post-pandemic. In September 21, the government published a consultation document proposing reforms to flexible working requests. The most talked about proposal was the abolition of the requirement to have 26 weeks qualifying service to make a request. However, we know the government isn't proceeding with the employment bill and therefore it's unclear when any changes may come into effect. Another area of possible shift in this area is the increased interest in a four-day working week. There have been several trials around the world on this in recent years with the benefits of increased staff retention and staff well-being. At the moment in the UK, Four-day week policies are down to individual employers, but outside of the UK, other countries have legislated for different working weeks, including in France. And in February 22, the Belgian government announced a right for employees to request to work the same number of hours in a compressed four-day week. In June this year, a six-month pilot is due to commence in the UK, and over 60 employers have signed up. The idea is that staff will retain the same rate of pay and have the option of an extended weekend and productivity and staff well-being will be monitored. It will be interesting to see how things develop in this area. 
Okay, thanks. Um, there is obviously so much more we could cover on this topic, but we've kind of run out of time for this podcast. So I guess in summary, um, it's fair to say, and fairly obvious, I think, to say that flexible working is here to stay. Uh, some organisations have embraced it more than others and understand that flexible working brings many benefits, not only to the individuals, but also to the organisation. It's my view that businesses need to understand the commercial impact that flexible working has on areas such as retention, recruitment, productivity, and also company culture, as well as costs, health and safety, so on and so forth. So managed appropriately and professionally, uh, flexible working can bring huge benefits to an organisation. There are, however, as Laura's pointed out, a few operational challenges to acting legally within the framework when managing flexible working. We do, however, and again, as Laura's mentioned, have plenty of information to guide us and support us through the process. Okay, so we'll leave it there for this podcast edition. Please note that with all of our podcasts, whatever we discuss are for general information only and do not constitute any legal advice. If you're interested in hearing more of our podcasts, then you can visit our website, www.cwj.co.uk, where we've recorded sessions covering a whole host of interesting subjects. Thanks as ever to Laura for another very informative recording. We'll be recording another podcast soon. So until then, goodbye for now.